0: Thanks for being here today. Really always a pleasure to be here and a privilege to come and, and be with my brothers and sisters at REACH. Um, it's been a while since I've been here in person, too, so it's extra special to be here. Even though I've done a couple video things, it's just not the same. I, I don't enjoy it as much, but yeah, it's great to be here. So, um, first I want to start off um, with a little update on how our ministry in the neighborhood has been as partners in ministry for the gospel in the West Island. We're focused up in Pierrefonds, in uh, the Ama Bay neighborhood. This is where um, our biggest focus is this Cloverdale Village housing cooperative. It's the largest public housing cooperative in Canada. So just to put that on the map for you over in Pierrefonds, we spend a lot of time in these neighborhoods just getting to know our neighbors, getting to know and love our neighbors, And spending a lot of time with youth is our biggest focus. So I brought my friend Clarence here with me today. He's going to share in a little bit. But I also want to let you know, God's been working in our neighborhoods, even despite COVID this year. The gospel is going forth, and we've seen him do a lot through just being present in the parks, being outdoors when the weather's nice, and bringing a soccer ball, and seeing what conversations can happen. So... Um, I want to share just something that encouraged me, I hope will encourage, inspire you as well, um, around this park ministry, that we want to see more and more of this kind of thing happening. This summer, Clarence and I were going into the park in Cloverdale Village three times a week. And we would just go for a couple hours. We'd bring a soccer ball, maybe some juice, some water, some granola bars for the kids. And we would just play soccer, and we would develop friendships. We'd see what conversations come up. But here's the kind of thing that God does through these opportunities. We were playing soccer with about one or two dozen boys. um, And we were, usually we use this old beat-up soccer ball. Whatever ball the boys have hanging around. But today, that day, I brought a new soccer ball for the kids to use. And so they loved it. We were playing soccer. And all of a sudden, this group of Muslim girls came across the other side of the field. One of the girls I know, because she's my neighbor, and they came and asked if they could use a soccer ball, if we had an extra soccer ball. And we weren't using the old beat-up ball, so I went to get that ball to give these girls, but one of the boys got so upset, that was his ball, and he didn't want to share it. And so I said, okay, if you don't want to share your ball that we're not even using, why don't you give me the ball that I brought, um, and I'm gonna give that to them. So. They got so upset. These boys didn't want to share any of their soccer balls. They didn't get along with these girls. They started um, just being um, very offensive and and just, yeah, it, inappropriate towards these girls because they it's two very different people groups, different religious differences, gender, everything like this. Um, and But it was through this normal day playing soccer that we really got to share more of the gospel for both of these people groups of people. With these boys, I got to say, hold on, why are you so hostile towards these people? And so against sharing the soccer ball. Hasn't, you know, you, you claim to follow God, you claim to know Jesus, but didn't Jesus say to love your enemies? And what is it if you're good at loving people that are easy to love, if you can't love people that are harder to love, as an evidence of God's love truly in us? So, finding opportunities to really weave the gospel into ordinary situations in life, but then to get to go and talk to these girls and say, and get to apologize for what happened and say, look, here's what, if you'll allow me to share with you, here's what really happened today and why these things keep happening. I believe that God created all of us in his image. He's made us in his love. He's shared his love with us. But because of the sin in our hearts, we've broken our relationship with God. And because we broke that relationship with God, we've also forgotten how to love one another. And that's where these differences come in and we we end up hating each other, fighting against each other. But I said God loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to show us how to live a life of perfect love to God the Father and one another so that through him, Our relationship with God can be restored. Our relationship with one another can be restored. And so I said, I just want to apologize for these boys and let you know that God loves you. Um, And so it was an amazing opportunity, unplanned opportunity to share the gospel that day. And we see more and more of this happening. And uh, so I just want to encourage you as partners in ministry um, to keep, Um, praying for us in these neighborhoods and in these parks and uh, that God would open up these opportunities. But we've been going into the park just three times a week this summer. We want to see more. We want to see God do more. We want to, whatever it is, whether whether it's art, sports, music, um, or whatever, we want to see more opportunities for conversations like that to take place. So we're going to show a video about the Reach Canada initiative. It's a fundraising campaign for X29 churches across Canada to see more things take place like this all over Canada. Um, So I'd love for you to consider that too. You can go ahead and play that video.
1: acts 29 canada is part of a larger global family of networks that share the same passion to see churches planted and multiplied so that every man hey everyone my name is dwight vernier and i'm the network director of acts 29 canada and if you're watching this video it means that your church is part of the acts 29 canada network In essence, Acts Canada is part of a larger global family of networks that share the same passion to see churches planted and multiplied so that every man, woman, and child around the globe might encounter Jesus Christ. He is our obsession. In the past, the network has mainly been a place for pastors and leaders of these churches to grow, gain encouragement, and contribute to one another. But we want to change that. One of the goals our team has set this year is to really raise awareness within our churches as well as involve each person within every Acts 29 Canada church. You might not know this, but you're already playing a crucial role in helping plant new churches all across Canada. So we want to give you an opportunity to become proactive in the work that Acts 29 is doing in our vast and beautiful nation. The more aware and proactive you become, the more people will hear the gospel, the more disciples will be formed and trained, and the more our nation will be reached so today we're launching a reach canada initiative a four-week campaign to raise forty two thousand dollars and every single dollar raised will go directly to new church planting projects and our hope is that together we'd be able to reach our goal which would see seven projects funded with six thousand dollars each some of these projects are geared toward reaching first nations communities others at risk youth and low income housing developments and others are trying to reach large amounts of students but the needs are so many during the reach canada initiative We will expose you in in depth to some of the new planters and projects within Acts 29 Canada. Also, we'll give you an update on the funds that have come in each week, allowing us to see how the Lord is providing. I'm so excited for this, and I'm looking forward to see how the Lord provides through us. And I would encourage you to ask the Lord how he desires you to be involved in this initiative. For all information about the Reach Canada initiative, you can go to our website, Acts29Canada.com, or take a photo of the QR code that will be presented when the video is done. But will you join me as we aim to reach Canada together with the good news that Jesus is alive, active, and moving in our nation. Thanks. Have a great Sunday.
0: All right. So yeah, there's seven projects going on around Canada that are all collecting these funds to be able to do more. Um, to reach into these neighborhoods. So you'll see videos over the next few weeks uh, highlighting interviews with some of these people in different parts of Canada. So that's going to be exciting. Um, Right now, I just want to take a moment to pray and then we'll open up God's word. I'm excited um, of just what God's laid on my heart for us in this season and as I got to come here and visit you today at REACH. So let's pray. Jesus, I need um, your spirit to fill me Um, to speak your words clearly, boldly. Um, And I thank you so much for the grace that you've given us to come and gather here today. Um, Pray that you'd open our hearts specifically to hear your words. And uh, pray that you'd continue working in our lives and through our lives for your kingdom here in the West Island, here in Dorval, wherever you've called us to live to. um, Create these opportunities with our neighbors. Thank you, God. Amen. So, uh, first of all, I see there's some younger people here today, and I want to start by welcoming you, thanking you for being here. And I had this in mind, um, just to get you involved a little bit. Is there anyone here that likes to run? Anyone that's good at running? <laughs> oh, come on. I guess the first, the first group was uh, more a runner's crew. But anyway, you can still imagine with me, if if we were going to line up in this gym and do a race, anyone would be interested in that? I don't know. That's okay. We're not going to actually do it. But imagine if we lined up and we were going to do a race in here, in this gym, what kind of things would you need to, to race, to run? Shoes. You'd need good shoes. Anything else? A <laughs> yeah, you might need a respirator. Yeah, yeah that's true. Now, um... Yeah, you'd need at least good socks and shoes for comfort and, you know, running attire, like the right kinds of shorts and the right kind of shirt. Um, So what if we were going to do this race, but I told you we're going to have to race with no shoes on? Would that be easier or would that be harder? It'd be harder. It'd be more uncomfortable, right? It'd be kind of weird to stand on a cold floor and you're not used to running with no shoes on. The shoes have grip, right? That's why we wear these running shoes when we run. Um, First for comfort, but also um, to not get hurt. If you're running without shoes on, you might stub your toes. That would hurt. You might step on something hard. You might trip and fall. And so there's a reason why we have these things. But if we trained every day for a few weeks to run with no shoes on, you'd actually get better at running. It might be uncomfortable at first, it might be painful at first, but eventually your feet would get tougher, your feet would get stronger, and you'd even develop new reflexes, new posture, new instincts on, on running, so that later when you go to put on your shoes, you're actually a better runner, having trained without shoes on. And there are runners that actually practice this and and do this and train that way. Um, But first, we kind of have to unlearn some of the habits we've learned by depending on the comforts of these shoes. That's kind of the lesson that I want to look at today, is how we can train um, by depending more on, on the strength that God provides than on the comfort that we've been dependent on before, um, in order to learn some of these new reflexes and new instincts. So we're going to look at the book of Luke, and you can open to chapter 9, because that's where we're going to look at the way that Jesus trains his apostles. He's not training them to run without shoes on, but he does something similar. Um, He's teaching them new reflexes on how to depend on God by taking away some of their the comforts that they've depended on previously. And we'll see that if, if we could experience a God who provides everything, then even we could face losing anything and still lack nothing. So here's what we see in Luke 9. It says that he called the 12 apostles together. These are his ambassadors, his friends. And he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, Um, and to proclaim. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God, and to heal. So this is amazing. God is preparing his apostles on this big journey. He's sending them out. He says, "Um, I'm giving you my power. I'm giving you my authority, and you're going to go to all these villages and proclaim the good news. This would be like running a marathon, but he says, but take nothing for your journey. That sounds just as uncomfortable or odd as saying, okay, we're going to run a marathon, but with no shoes. I'm going to send you out to proclaim the gospel in all these villages on this long journey, but take nothing for your journey. You would have this mental checklist of things that I need for a journey, a walking stick, a backpack, bread and money. These are the essentials. But here's what he says. Take nothing for your journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and don't even have two tunics. Whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. Wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So Jesus was saying, I'm going to take away some of these things that you depend on some of these comforts that you're used to but there's a reason he's teaching them something some new instincts some new reflexes here um, that would be really hard to go on a journey like this though with without these comforts and perhaps some of these necessities having to you know go about your day you get hungry halfway through the day and you have no bread what are you gonna have to do First, you're going to have to depend on God. Say, God, would you provide my daily bread? But you're also going to have to depend on your neighbor. Like, okay, we're going to go and knock on this door. We're going to go and share the gospel. We're going to heal anyone that's sick. And hopefully they have a meal for us too. Uh, at the end of the day, where are we going to stay? We have no money for an inn. We've got to knock on a door. We've got to talk to these people, share the gospel, see if we can spend the night. Um, and so they were depending on God in a way that you can't learn from a textbook. You can't learn this from a parable. Jesus wanted them to learn firsthand how they could truly depend on God day to day. And this was their experience. And it wasn't just a a physical loss of the things that they would depend on, but even more of a, just even a mental exercise of, oh, I can't rely on, I have no money with me. I'm very vulnerable. Um, spiritually, mentally, this would be a hard thing. God, what are you doing? Jesus, why are you sending us out here with no protection and no resources? How are we going to do this? They would have to learn firsthand to depend on God. And so, um, I want to bring this to us today. In the midst of our situation in 2020, here we are going through a very difficult year for some of us more than others. Um, We're all facing this pandemic together and we've all lost different things, different comforts in life, different things that we've been accustomed to depending on, jobs, income, lives have been lost, Uh, financial security and health, different social norms. We're just not able to do the things that we like to do together. Our, Our gatherings have been limited. Celebrations have had to been changed like graduations, weddings, Some of the things have been postponed or canceled or limited. Um, It's a difficult year. But I want to ask what instincts, what reflexes could God be teaching us to depend on him through? Rather than the things that we've been accustomed to. Maybe losing some of these things temporarily can help us to be better stewards of the things we have. The things that can't be taken away. Um... Or maybe losing some of these things will prepare us to appreciate them better when we can return. And, and we can all gather together, more than 25 people. We could be singing together. Would we not take that so much for granted again? But, in fact, maybe God is actually weaning us off of things that are completely unhealthy that we've been depending on. What if this is our case that we need to unlearn some things that we have depended on in the past... That we're actually not going to even carry with us into the future. um, To depend more and more on God. And less and less on maybe the structures that we've been used to around us. That have even at times displaced God from the center of our hearts and our lives. So let's take a look at how the apostles, what they learned from this exercise in depending on God. Jesus sent them out on mission. It says in that final verse there that they went among the villages proclaiming the kingdom of God. But we don't see what happens next until Luke 22. So if you want to look at Luke 22, you can find verses 35 to 38. I'm going to read it out loud for you as well. But a lot of time has passed between Luke 9 and Luke 22. And Jesus in Luke 22 intentionally speaks to his apostles at this time and he brings up that time that they were in Galilee and he sent them out on mission with no provisions for their journey. Um, a lot of time has passed. They're not in Galilee anymore. Now they're in Jerusalem and, and it's in Jerusalem where Jesus is just about to be betrayed and arrested and crucified. And he wants them to remember what they learned during that time in Luke 9. He says, remember when I sent you out with no money bag and no knapsack and no sandals? Jesus says, did you lack anything? His disciples said, nothing. This is how they looked back on their time spent depending on God in Galilee. We didn't lack anything. He said to them, okay, but now let the one who has a money bag take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with the transgressors. For what is written about me has its fulfillment. And then they said, oh, look, Lord, we have two swords here. And he said, okay, it is enough. So Jesus says, did you lack anything? Remember that time that I sent you out with nothing for your journey? Did you lack anything? They said, no, we didn't lack anything. It's true they didn't have those things. But at the same time, it's true they didn't lack those things. So we see that this is a possibility. That you can lose something and find that you didn't lack it either. Something that you probably at, once, at one time thought was essential. I couldn't live without this. I couldn't do this journey without this God. But actually, looking back, I knew I didn't lack anything. They probably did feel very uncomfortable at first. I wish I had bread right now. I wish I had money to stay in in tonight. I wish I had this. But it took them that experience to learn fully depending on God. And so here's something that we see. um, Perhaps they found in Psalm 73. The writer of Psalm 73 says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. These words that this psalmist writes, these are the words of someone who has experienced a God Who is there? This person has experienced a God who provides everything, so that they could face losing anything, and still lack anything. He says, "My heart, my flesh might fail. I could lose it all, but I really haven't lacked anything, because Christ is my God is my all." He could say, "I don't have a staff in my right hand, but God holds my right hand. I don't have bread today." But God is my portion. He fills my cup. He alone is my strength. And Jesus was rewiring the uh, survival instincts of his own apostles as his ambassadors to learn that level of dependence on God. He says, you're going to need to know this. You're going to need to know what it's like to not have a money bag, uh, sandals, uh, bread. You're going to need to learn what it's like to depend more fully on God to experience that God. Um, And I believe that God is also doing this in us today, in and through us here in 2020. We've lost some things in the past seven months. We all have. But how are we going to look back on this year? Are we going to focus on the things that we lost? Are we going to focus on the ways that God provided? This is my question for you today. So imagine in the future, just like, just like the apostles were able to look back at that distant time um, and say, you know what, we didn't lack anything that year, even though we lost a lot of things on that journey. Imagine 15 years from now, we can hardly remember COVID. It's a thing of the past, you know, oh, it just seemed like a crazy year. <laughs> Let's all forget about it. Imagine there's this time in the future where there's, there's a vaccine and a cure and, and the cases are all down completely and we're walking through stores with no masks on. There's no limits on our gatherings. Um, the pandemic's over. And imagine your kids or your grandkids are asking you, wow, what was it like living through 2020? What, how did you learn to adapt that year? What kind of things changed that year that would never be the same again? Um, did you lose anything that year? Now picture this. If we were able to look back on a year like this and facing the losses that we've lost, to be able to say, yes, I lost some things, but I didn't lack anything. I lost this and this and that, but God was always there. I never had to lack anything, even though I lost maybe everything. Maybe it's too hard to say this, honestly. Maybe we're not there right now. Maybe the losses really are that hard for some of us uh, that it sounds too naive, that I can face losing anything and still lack nothing. And that might be true unless we could, like the writer of Psalm 73 and like the apostles that walked with Christ, if we could learn firsthand the God who provides everything. If we could experience a God who provides everything, then we could face losing anything and still lack nothing. This is what Jesus is going to point to in the next verses when he he brings in this prophecy from Isaiah. He's preparing them um, for a change that's going to take place. After Jerusalem, things are going to get harder. And I don't want you to forget what you learned on that journey, depending on God. He says, take, you know, he says uh, to take a knapsack, take a money bag. If you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and and get a sword. This seems kind of confusing. What is Jesus trying to teach his disciples here? And then he says, for this prophecy has to be fulfilled, and he was numbered with the transgressors. What kind of correlation... Um, is there between his apostles bringing a money bag, a sword, a knapsack, and Jesus being numbered with transgressors? Can, it can seem very confusing. But what Jesus was showing them was this bigger picture that Isaiah 53 was, was fulfilling, um, or, or was prophesying that Jesus would fulfill here. He's already prepared them for the things that are going to change. And a lot of this goes right over their heads. Three times Jesus has already explained, we're going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be delivered over to the Gentiles. I'm going to be arrested and crucified. And three days later, I will rise again. Um, He's preparing them for his death and resurrection. And it's all because the intention, the purpose that Jesus was going to the cross was to be numbered with the transgressors. Why? Why is it significant that Jesus was numbered with the transgressors? Was Jesus a transgressor? No. But he was numbered with the transgressors. To figure this out, we have to look at Isaiah 53 and read this prophecy through with the idea of the Savior, the Messiah, in mind. And this is exactly how we see Jesus uh, fulfill this prophecy. If you want, you can go to... Um, Uh, Isaiah 53. But I'll read it starting in verse 3 here. It says, He was despised and rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Think about that. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried away our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by god and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities imagine that somebody taking our sin on himself and being crushed with the condemnation that we deserved upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace with with his stripes we are healed We, all like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned aside. Every one of us has turned aside, it says, to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. And yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that's led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. And by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And let me just go down... um, to uh, to verse 11. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. This is all taking place in Jesus. This is all coming true in him, that he is going to account many people as righteous. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong. And here's what Jesus quotes in Luke 22 because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors, yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Jesus gave us everything we would ever need when we deserved it the least. That's what Jesus is showing them here in Luke 22. But it all has to, it has the spiritual significance that look, everything has been provided for you. I am taking the sins of the world on myself, Jesus says. But physically, things are gonna change, okay? He says, because they've accounted me a transgressor, and are accusing me, condemning me under blasphemy as the enemy of God's law, they're going to come after you as well. The hospitality that you expected in Galilee, you're not going to receive it here in Jerusalem. As my ambassadors, as followers of Jesus, you will wear this title as well under the religious leaders of Jerusalem. He's preparing them for something harder. Um, But he says, remember What did you learn back in Galilee? If you didn't lack anything there, then you're not going to lack anything now. But it is going to get harder. So, this, this is the picture of the gospel that we see, though, in Isaiah 53, coming true in Luke 22. That if we, the transgressors, that just means the sinners, the people who truly broke God's law, if we broke God's law, the law of his holiness and his glory, by displacing him alone as the creator and sustainer and provider of our every need um, and the rightful place of worship in our hearts and lives, then we are the transgressors. We are the ones who deserve the, the full condemnation of our own rejection we're the ones who are outside of God's favor. But Jesus came as the promised Savior, the Messiah, who never rejected God, who always kept God as the center of worship in his life. And yet for us was numbered among the transgressors. Yet he, he didn't sin and yet he took on sin for us. He became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And by pouring out himself and, and losing everything, so to speak, so that we could gain everything, is what Jesus is showing his disciples. You could lose it all, but you never will because I've provided it already. And because of this truth, you and I too can face losing anything and we would still lack nothing because God has provided our everything here's how the apostles unpacked this later on after they could see fully a lot of this went over their heads until they see oh wow jesus really did die on the cross and he there took our sins they didn't know what that resurrection would be like they it caught them totally off guard they didn't know what was going to happen but when they saw jesus after it all came to sense they realized oh my wow Jesus was on that cross three days ago, and today he's standing alive before me. And it's where all this came and made sense. And it's where Peter, later on, would write to the churches saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. That's the kingdom that Peter knows because he experienced firsthand a God who provides everything despite losing everything. Peter experienced that firsthand, and he could say, This kingdom is unfading, it's imperishable, it's undefiled. Can we say that through the losses of 2020, through the changes of this year, that we belong to a kingdom that cannot be taken away, cannot be imposed limits upon? cannot be defiled. And Paul later would write in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If, if we have experienced this God who has provided everything, then we could face losing anything and we would still lack nothing. I want to introduce you to my friend Clarence who's going to come and share this because Clarence is someone who has experienced this God, a God who can provide everything um, so that Clarence could face losing anything and he would still lack nothing. So thank you, Clarence. And then we'll wrap up.
2: My name is Clarence Kamar. I was born in Liberia. Um, I lived in the United States for a couple of years before moving to Canada about a year ago. Um, I was born to a Muslim father and a Christian mother. So I faced a lot of trouble in my life. Um, For example, it was difficult celebrating Christmas in my home because my father on the other hand would never allow that. But there's one thing I want everybody to know that from um, my family, I had a mother who never gave up on God. She's a perfect example of what Jeff just talked about. She can lose everything, but she would lack like nothing because she's always praying. And we believe that, um, I always say to my friends, why worry if you can pray? So we can lost every other thing, but we can never lack God. And this is what I want everybody to focus on. You can lose anything or everything in your life, but one thing you shouldn't lose or lack is God. Um, For me, my mother um, has taught me a lot about life, and me standing here today is because of her prayer and everything. Back in my home, um, Christmas wasn't easy. Apart from that, my family from my father's side, they always like to have control over, like, kids, once once you are coming up, they tell me what you're going to become. So they'll make sure you go to school and tell you, like, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. um, You're going to follow this religion because this is where we came from, so you cannot depart from this. So we all grew up that way, but I decided to take another train, another way. So I became a christian which wasn't something easy it was like a blow to my father's face and we both have to face that reality so um i had to go through a lot in my life but i have never ever lacked god i've lost everything before in my life but one thing i've never lacked is god thank you
0: And Clarence and his family have, have faced losing anything, everything. But he, like he said, he's lacked nothing. God is always there. Um, we can say with Clarence, we can say with the apostles, we can say with uh, the writer of Psalm 73, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's nothing that I desire on earth except for you. So, we can face losing everything and still lack nothing because Christ is our everything. We can say that we can look at 2020, we can look back at this year and say, I didn't lack anything because Christ was with me. If you don't know Christ, if you don't have that hope, then you can turn to Him at any time. He fills our hearts with rivers of living water. But for us who know, who know Christ, who follow Christ, and he's calling us into deeper dependence on God, we can trust in him. We can trust in him alone. So let me pray. Father God, thank you for your love for us. Thank you, God, that in your love, when we least deserved it, you sent your son Jesus to bear our sins on that cross. And Jesus, you stepped down out of heaven. You took on sin so that we could become righteous. You, you, you gave us your everything so that we could have it all, so that we could have a relationship with God um, through you, Jesus. So, Lord, open our hearts. We need you for this. Amen.
2: Amen.